fans of the NFL. This is Jeff Woodruff, episode 37. I'm not 100% sure. Either way, uh, this is our second time doing this um, at the start of the week because there's just so much delicious and delectable. Yeah, episode 37. Um, Because there is so much football to get to, we are going to be doing, uh, for the remainder of the season, just a quick episode at the start of the week. This one's coming out a little bit later because the Chiefs played on Monday night, so I wanted to watch that game. Typically, we'll see. These will never come out later than Tuesday afternoons, but uh, we might try and shoot for recording them on Sunday if I have the energy um, if not, we'll we'll typically try and record these on Monday to have them out Monday afternoon to start your week. But we had a great, great week four of NFL football. Let's get into it. We are going to be recapping all 15 games. There was one bye week this week. All 15 games, and we're going to do just a quick recap of each of them. And then we're going to be looking ahead to week five on the normal episode that drops on Thursday. Alrighty, so let's get into them. Early games, baby. Huge scoring weekend. A lot of these games got off to very fast starts and then sort of seemed like blowouts going into the third quarters, going into uh, the fourth quarter. But a lot of them got pretty interesting towards the end. Kicking us off the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Joey B. Joey Burrow secured his first NFL win. The matchup of Joey Burrow versus Gardner Minshew. Wow. Headlines across the board. Bengals win that one 33-25. Bengals probably should have uh, won that one a little bit more handily. There were a few different opportunities where they choked away some red zone opportunities. A couple of turnovers in the end zone actually for the Bengals. And the Jags are always going to be that team with Gardner Minshew um, that's going to be able to hang around a little bit. Coming into this year, I was a million billion percent positive that the Jags were going to be just the laughing stock of the NFL. And while the Jets have sort of taken that position, uh, the Jaguars are not looking too hot themselves. Um, Off to a poor start. The Bengals are trending in the right direction. I'm glad I'm rooting for Cincinnati. Um, Joey Burrow uh, led that team to their first win this past Sunday. Joe Mixon contributed quite a bit on the ground as well. And the Bengals have to be pretty freaking happy with Joe Burrow. Seahawks versus Dolphins. Jags, the Bengals, and the Dolphins all fit into a category. Um, They should all go into like their own little division actually. Just like sort of a dumpster fire rebuild division. That would actually be really nice. That way we can focus on the competitive teams and then it it wouldn't dilute everyone else's schedules. But either way, Seahawks versus Dolphins. The Seahawks move to 4-0 on the season. They take this one home 31-23. It was a weird game. I, I really did not get into this game too much, to be totally frank. The Seahawks... They had their opportunities towards the end, uh, but I will say the Dolphins hung around quite a bit, made it very interesting. Fitzmagic was out there still swinging the ball. The Seahawks, I mean, with Russ out there, they're always going to have a chance to win. Their defense is bad, though. 
bad, bad, bad. The Seahawks are going to have to make some free agency moves or Pete Carroll is going to have to whip those boys into shape because if they want to be a, a true Super Bowl contender, NFC Championship con contender, then they're not going to be able to do that with, with the way things are going on their defense right now. The Dolphins, really the big storyline is when is Tua going to get his shot going into week five? Fitzmagic is going to be the Miami Dolphins starter. At this point, for the Dolphins, I think that they just... I mean, they just eat what this season is going to be. Going into next year, they are going to have uh, a couple of really, really good draft picks. Um, our good friend, we'll get to it here in just a moment, our good friend Bill O'Brien of the Houston Texans. You guys have, know how we feel about uh, the city of Houston and their sports teams over here. Um, Bill O'Brien got fired. Let it be known that the Dolphins get the Texans first round and second round draft picks in 2021 and at this rate those are going to be two pretty high picks for them I think that you just roll out the rest of the season with Fitzmagic who cares if you're not winning you're not going to be contending for a playoff run uh, this season either way let Tua get this full year of learning under his under his belt sort of the Pat Mahomes treatment the redshirt year and uh, use those draft picks to shore up the offensive line get him a couple new weapons on the offensive side of the ball and boom, the Dolphins are going to be contenders going into 2021. Oh, man. Ouchie, ouchie. Um, hands up. This one's on me. Cowboys versus Browns. Listen, I said it was going to go one of two ways. Either the Browns were going to just grind it out and you know run the ball all over the Cowboys, or... The Cowboys were going to jump out to an early lead, and it was going to be sort of a blowout from there because the Browns just didn't equip themselves to come back from a deficit uh, with their run-first run play style. And it was kind of a combination of both, honestly. The Browns beat the Cowboys 49-38. That is a massive score. I hope, I hope all the listeners out there had, had the over here. Um, I'm going to start with the Cowboys. Dak is an incredible quarterback. Dak, I, I, I'm trying to, I'm running through right now. I think Dak, I mean, listen, the, the man is on pace to throw over 6,000 yards. And no other quarterback has thrown for 5,500 yards in one season. He's, he has the most throwing yards through the first four games in NFL history. And if it if it's just not for the turnovers, the Cowboys are turning the ball over way too much. And their defense got destroyed by injuries as, as it normally does. Vander Esch, Sean Lee, I mean you guys can you, you can pretty much count on those guys playing less than 30% of games each regular season. The Cowboys shoot themselves in the foot. They turn the ball over quite a bit. Uh, Dak is guilty of it. Zeke is guilty of it too. Uh, fumbles going into straight two weeks for both of those guys. And then they put their defense in just bad situations. And, you know, sometimes they pull off a miracle, like in week three against the Falcons. 
and sometimes they give up 50-yard touchdown runs when they absolutely have to have a stop on end-arounds that could have gone for a 15-yard loss. Um, the Cowboys are 1-3. and three. <laughs> They are basically still in, I mean, the NFC East. Good God. Let's just get into it now. The Cowboys are my first NFC East team that I've talked about. Uh, the Eagles are leading that division at 1-2-1. One, and one. That's with a tie. And then it goes to the Washington football team, who's 1-3. and three. And then the Cowboys, who are also 1-3. and three. So, I mean, they're still in it. I mean, Cowboys fans, you guys still have a chance to figure it out and get in the playoffs. But it, it, it does not look good to be a Cowboys fan right now. The offense is there. C.D. Lamb is going to be incredible. But... At some point, your defense has to make a play or two, and at this rate, it just does not look like it's going to happen. You can't let Dak or expect expect Dak to go out there and throw for 500 yards every game to even give you a, the slightest bit of chance in the fourth quarter. Dak can't do it all. Uh, the offense can't do it all for the Cowboys, so... We'll see what Jerry Boy does, um, and Mike McCarthy as well for the Cowboys. The Browns, on the other hand... The Browns are off to their best start, their best regular season start in quite some time. They are at 3-1 and one in the AFC North, and Kevin Stefanski came in, and he knows what he wants to do with the Cleveland Browns, which means that they are going to run the ball over and over and over again, and then let Baker throw for 150 yards every once in a while. I mean, at this rate... If it ain't broke, don't fix it, Cleveland Browns. It does suck. Nick Chubb leaving the game with a hamstring, knee, some sort of leg injury. Did not look good. He got rolled up on it in the backfield by uh, a couple of large men. I think if that happened to me, they, my leg would have been amputated on the field. It would have been horrifying. Um, Cleveland Browns, if they are able to continue this run first, punch you in the mouth style of football and then if their defense with Miles Garrett and a couple of other playmakers can force a couple of turnovers then the Browns are, are in a good spot I will say the AFC North is, is a tough division for them to be in you've got the Steelers still at 3-0 and then the Ravens of course too so we'll see um, good start for the Cleveland Browns bad start for the Dallas Cowboys Moving on to another AFC North team, the Ravens took on the Washington football team. They won that one 31-17. Uh, Washington kind of kept this game, you know, somewhat close uh, through throughout the first half. Lamar, I see Lamar is, is not a good passing quarterback. Lamar missed several throws. Um, throws that you would expect the NFL MVP to be making on a consistent basis. But then he goes around and he breaks off a 50-yard touchdown run using his legs, so it, it sort of balances out. The Ravens, I mean, they needed a bounce-back game. The Washington football team, without Chase Young, uh, that was a good game for them to sort of get their confidence back, get on track a little bit. Mark Andrews found the end zone. Like I said, Lamar Jackson found the end zone. Mark Ingram found the end zone. So 
No, it was a good uh, get-back-on-track game for the Ravens. We'll see what they've got coming up. The Washington football team, I've said it before, Dwayne Haskins is not it. They've got some good pieces, though, on that offense. Uh, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver, he, he makes it happen. He, he is a solid wide receiver. Catches pretty much everything that comes his way. And then their running back, too, Antonio Gibson, they're going to start feeding that guy. Uh, here's a little Jeff fantasy hint. If you can trade a low-key snag Antonio Gibson, he's going to be their guy moving forward. And in a season where running backs are very hard to come by, mostly due to injury, it could be a good pickup for you. Um, either way, Washington football team not looking too solid uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. This next game hurt. This next game hurt really bad. The Arizona Cardinals, my current NFC team, took on the Carolina Panthers, my former NFC team. And I'll speak about the latter first. The Panthers' offense, with Teddy at the helm, it looks pretty legit. Uh, they've got DJ Moore on the outside, and then one of the best offseason acquisitions, trades, signings, Robbie Ander Anderson, who came over from the Jets, I mean, he's racking up yards. And then they got big Mike Davis in there. Big Mike. Uh, he's doing an incredible job filling in for Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, Teddy's managing the game well. He had a nice rushing touchdown. If they can just limit turnovers, uh, maybe figure out their defense, continue to trend the correct direction on defense, then the Panthers, you know, they'll be able to stick around and, and make some stuff interesting. The Panthers have now won two in a row um, after starting 0-2, so that brings their, their total to 2-2. And, and then same schedule with, with the Cardinals. Going into this week, I said that this was a Cliff Kingsbury prove-it game. If you want to stick around with the big boys in the NFC West, uh, mind you, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Niners, then you, you needed to beat the Carolina Panthers. And the Cardinals went out. They looked flat on offense. Their defense without Buda Baker is ugly, ugly, ugly defense uh, for the Redbirds out there. And at some point, Cliff is going to have to you know revert back to his Big 12 days where he's swinging the ball around and get some more points up on the board because that offense was stagnant and they did not do anything that game. I, I was very disappointed in the Cardinals' performance uh, this past weekend. Cardinals dropped to 2-2 two and two in that uh, tough NFC West division, so we'll see what they're able to do moving forward. The Lions versus the Saints. This game was, this was one of the weird ones uh, that I talked about where it started off really hot. Lions jump out to a 14-0 lead. Drew Brees throws a couple of bad interceptions during this game, and the, the Lions are like, oh, well, I think we found out that Drew Brees is a fraud. And then the Lions go on and score 35 unanswered, which is not easy to do. Uh, or the Saints, I, I think I said the Saints. The Saints go on to score 35 unanswered, and it, it was pretty much history from there. At one point, it was 35-14. Alvin Kamara is an absolute beast. Um, he is he is the running back in the NFL that I would most want on my team. 
it, it absolutely helps too that Drew Brees is his quarterback because where we have Drew now in, in this stage of his career is just check down God. And then when you get to throw the ball to a guy like Alvin Kamara, th that's how you were able to score 35 unanswered. Um, the Lions are a sad, sad excuse this year for an NFL team. Um, the Lions are, you know, sort of in the midst of a head coach controversy right now. They're one and three, rounding out the bottom of the NFC North, and it looks like at this rate that uh, Patricia is going to be gone. He's gonna get rid of that stupid pencil behind his ear and never come back. Saints go on to win, thirty-five to twenty-nine. They're keeping pace with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of the NFC South. Uh, before that, too, another NFC South, or excuse me, NFC North team, like the Lions. The Texans versus the Vikings. This was sort of a almost a doo-doo bowl, uh, much like last week's Thursday night football game between the Jets and the Broncos. Two undefeated teams. Alluded to it just a bit earlier in the episode. R.I.P. B.O.B. Rip Bill O'Brien. Uh... So long, farewell, general manager, head coach, Bill O'Brien just this week um, reinstated his powers to become the play-by-play the -play caller, and then he ended up getting canned. Thank God, because when you look at, thank God for speaking as just a, you know, putting myself in the shoes of a Houston Texans fan, thank God. Bill O'Brien was doing everything in his part to run that franchise into the ground. And now, look where you got him. Texans are 0-4. Vikings win this game 31-23. I said last week that the Vikings are my 0-3 team to sort of make a run, get back in the win column, and the Vikings look strong. Dalvin Cook is a straight-up animal. That man finds the end zone more frequently than any other player in the league does, and... The addition of Thielen and James, Justin Jefferson, not James, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. If Kirky Boy can go out there and just, you know, stay somewhat productive, and then if the Vikings continue to trend in the right direction, it, it, the Vikings are going to be able to win, string a few wins together. Texans mounted to come back, couldn't pull it off. Sean Watson... I really hope that it's not going to be one of these situations where Deshaun for the next three or four years in his career just has zero help because, like I said, next year the Texans don't have a first or second round draft pick. So they're going to be kind of stuck with the guys that they got um, from a productivity standpoint right now, barring anything wild. They've got a lot of cash caught up in their salary cap this year, and things just th the only positive is that bob is is no more um so texans fans keep your heads up a little bit the buccaneers and the chargers the buccaneers are off to uh, a good start as much as i hate to say it um i will not be able to be a full fan of the nfl until tom brady hangs him up because Every single time I see that man delivering dime balls down the field, it just brings back horrible memories. I respect Tom. Uh, Tom is obviously 
a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I'm not going to say he's the greatest quarterback of all time because, you know, I think there's a couple of guys right now that may have that title. Former Super Bowl champion Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the Buccaneers took on the Chargers. Justin Herbert again went out there. Tyrod's still dealing with that punctured lung, courtesy of the Chargers team doctor. And Justin Herbert was slinging bombs. Chargers were up quite a bit. At one point, they were up 21-7. to Tom threw a pick six. It didn't look all that great. And then the Chargers really shot themselves in the foot. Austin Eckler got hurt. Uh, one of their backup running backs, his name is eluding me right now, fumbled in the Chargers' half of the field with like 20 seconds to go before halftime. That let the Bucks get an early seven right before half. Come back out. Tom was like, all right, we're winning this game. I'm sure Tom delivered a, a fiery halftime speech in the locker room, and then the Buccaneers went out. Back and forth game, a couple of deep plays from the Chargers kept him in it, but ultimately Tom threw for five touchdowns. God, that hurts to say. Don't like saying that. But the Buccaneers are at 3-1 in sole lead of the NFC South, and barring continued injuries because Godwin, Mike Evans, Burnett, Scotty, Scotty Boy Miller, Scotty... Uh, the Bucks have already dealt with some early season injuries. They're continuing to find ways to win. Tom's still, you know, figuring out how to get the ball to a bunch of no names and find them, get them in the end zone. Five, Tom threw five TDs to five different wide receivers. Ugh, that hurts. The Chargers uh, feel bad for the Chargers, not really, but you know, kind of. I will say the Chargers are in good hands. They're one and three right now, but what? you've seen out of Justin Herbert is that he's going to be their guy moving forward and he's going to be good. Do feel bad about losing Austin Eckler. He was primed up for a big season this year. He was contributing a lot. Just got paid this offseason, so you know at least he got that before he got hurt. Um, so the Chargers are just going to continue to be that injury ridden team that until something changes, until they get some good luck, you know, it's, it's just not going to be, be their day. The early games were fantastic. I can't really say the same about the late games. We had Bears versus Colts. Uh, that game was was not pretty. What was it like 17 to 10? I don't even have the scores for the late games on my sheet right here. That's my fault. Sorry. Uh, the Bears versus Colts. Nick Foles. I mean, what do you guys expect? Seriously, I think I would rather have Mitch. Yeah, I think. I would rather have Mitch, honestly. Um, either way, it, it's not a good situation in Chicago for the Bears. But hey, they're only 3-1 and one now. That was their first loss of the year. The Colts, you know, I get it. You guys have you know, played some, some easier teams, I'll say, throughout the first uh, quarter of the season. You guys have a solid defense. But again, I watched a, a good amount of this game, and it hurts my arm when I see Phillip Rivers throw the ball. It is getting worse and worse. The sidearm shot put is ugly and disgusting to watch. And with that, 
the Colts are not going to be good because Philip Rivers is swinging the ball around like that. Jonathan Taylor, good at football. Rams took on the Giants. This game was weird. Uh, this game was kind of just like the um, Seahawks versus the Dolphins from the early slate. It was a weird game. Didn't really feel like the Rams knew exactly what they were doing on offense. They weren't clicking very well. Um, Giants, I mean, what do you expect? They didn't do, like, anything whatsoever. So the Rams, you know, they, they scored on a couple of big plays. They're keeping pace out there in the NFC West, which is exactly what you have to do in that tough division. And they pulled out a game. I like the Rams this year. Um, I think what we've seen through the first four games is that Sean McVay kind of got a swagger back, and uh, the offense is figuring out a little bit more. The big storyline out of this one, baby. Woo! Jalen Ramsey versus Golden Tate. Mm, that's a little T right there, baby. Jalen Ramsey versus Golden Tate. Ramsey planted him in the midst of the game. Totally unrelated note to that play. Uh, Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate meet each other at midfield after the game, and they start swinging on each other. For anyone who may need to be caught up to speed, Jalen Ramsey has like two or three children with Golden Tate's sister. Golden Tate's sister happens to be a stripper. Jalen Ramsey publicly broke up with her on Instagram, was like bragging about it. And Golden Tate obviously did not take that well. So Jalen Ramsey, kind of a hothead. He's not going to back down from that. Um, very good, very interesting stuff. I'm, I'm always there for a little bit of extra drama uh, whenever it comes to the NFL. So that was you know, a relatively unenthusiastic game with a very enthusiastic fight in the middle of the field to wrap things up. The Bills took on the Raiders. The 4-0 Bills took on the Raiders. Josh Allen, I mean, <laughs> I like Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a great guy to have in the league. Um, he's he's just a funny quarterback. I mean, he swings the ball. He's a gunslinger. That's what he does, big, deep ball. Um, he's not afraid to try and fit it into tight windows. And, you know, the Bills are rolling. I, I said last week, if you are a good team, you beat the Las Vegas Raiders, and that's what the Bills did. Uh, the Bills caused a couple timely turnovers that, that helped them separate a little bit more. Josh Allen was able to get the ball to Stephon Diggs, who, by the way, speaking of incredibly fortuitous and uh, well-planned and rewarding off-season exchanges, Stephon Diggs is killing it in Buffalo, where... Until it gets, you know, like negative a million degrees. We'll see how he's going to be reacting to that. Um, but he is a hell of a fit for that offense. That that allows Josh Allen to use that cannon of an arm he's got to spread it out. The Raiders, I mean, Derek Carr. <laughs> Derek Carr's a funny guy, too. He's good for the league. Uh, he had some very unfortunate turnovers during that game. Josh Jacobs kind of disappeared. I mean, it, it's... It's not hard to get in Derek Carr's head, fluster the Raiders a little bit, and then just watch them collapse on themselves. So I'm looking forward to the Chiefs playing this Raider, the Raiders this weekend. Wrapping us up with the primetime games, we got three of them. Sunday night football, Eagles versus Niners. This game kind of sucked. 
the Eagles took this one 25 to 20 against the Niners. Uh, goodbye quarterback controversy for San Francisco. At least we can kind of put that to rest. Uh, Nick Mullins did not look good. The Eagles did not look good. Um, I, I was not impressed with either of these teams. I already said it in the NFC East. The Eagles are leading that division at 1-2-1. One, one. That is disgusting and gross. Um, good thing for my NFC team, the Cardinals. Thank God that the Niners dropped this one. So the Niners and the Cardinals are rounding out the NFC West at 2-2. Two two. George Kittle is incredible. He fully, fully deserves to be the highest paid tight end in the NFL. He had 15 targets, 15 catches. Could have caught the uh, Hail Mary at the end of the game as well. And he is he is just a phenom and a beast to watch. Um, his yak yards after catch ability is off the charts. George Goodall is one of the best things about the NFL and, and what makes me so excited for Sundays. Um, because the rest of the Eagles and Niners game did not excite me whatsoever. The Eagles have no names on offense. Their defense is sad to watch. And then the Niners are rolling out like 15 practice squad guys because they went through the injury terminator to start the year. Uh, Sunday Night Football, I hope we get a better game this up upcoming week. Monday Night Football, we had two games. My Kansas City Chiefs took on the dreaded New England Patriots. Chiefs came out of that one on top 26-10. to 10. The uh, This was a classic, hey, let's see how much stress we can add on to Jeff's life. Um, and they, uh, they piled it on for the first three quarters of the game. The first half was an absolute snoozer. Went into it 6-3 at halftime. Chiefs missed a couple of opportunities to score in the red zone, settled for field goals. We had a bad turnover in the red zone, courtesy of Stephon Gilmore, 2019 defensive MVP. But thankfully, we were playing against uh, Hoyer and Stidham. Um, if we weren't, I would have been a little bit more concerned. What I am concerned about moving forward is that defenses, because the Patriots, each and every week outside of playing against the Chiefs, they will, they run a lot of man-to-man -man coverage. And the Chiefs showed against the Ravens that you cannot play man-to-man -man, man -man coverage and expect to win. So what the, Raven, or what the Patriots were doing and Bill Belichick and his team were doing were crowding the line of scrimmage quite a bit, uh, showing a lot of blitz, and then dropping eight guys into coverage and essentially making Mahomes find tight windows and, and sort of force the ball in. It worked, you know, for quite a bit, and then at some point you just have to expect that Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the arsenal of weapons that we Chiefs fans have on our side are going to get it going at some point. And ultimately we did. Um... You know, if that game, if, if the first two possessions turn into touchdowns, the entire thought and the entire takeaway of, of this game changes. But I am honestly kind of glad that Andy and the rest of the coaching staff of the Chiefs 
really need to start focusing on, okay, how are we going to beat eight guys in coverage? Because that's what teams are going to do to us. Uh, unfortunately, I think running the ball is going to come into play a little bit more. I'm just not a run-the-ball guy. Um, if it were up to me, I would have Pat throwing 120 attempts each and every game. But the Chiefs defense, a bright spot, of course. Uh, I've been saying it. We'll continue to see that, that unit trend upwards. We're going to be having Bashad Breland back. Rashad Fenton played a really solid game. Ben Neiman needs to get off the field and take a seat. But either way, some big plays, some timely plays. Three turnovers, four turnovers uh, caused by the Chiefs defense on Monday night. Allowing us to secure that 4-0 spot. I know we've heard this stat thrown around quite a few times. Kansas City Chiefs, first time ever in NFL history. The first team ever to go 4-0 in four consecutive years. We can give Alex Smith props to that for one year. Um, however, the remaining courtesy of Patrick Mahomes and that high-powered offense. The Packers also have a high-powered offense. They were the second leg of the doubleheader Monday night. They beat the Tar out of the Falcons 30-16. to uh, I'll just have a cu quick couple of notes on Falcons. Your team is not good. Your defense is bad. So bad. I have piss poor, piss poor written on my notes. And Julio Jones, like it or not, he's getting older. He's dealt with a hamstring for what feels like the last five years. Calvin Ridley put up a goose egg. Zero catches. Zero yards. That actually really hurt my fantasy team. That's going too big of a tangent there, so I was pretty salty about that. Uh, if you guys were wondering, I'm in three leagues. I went 2 0 this week. Thank you. Um, the Packers, on the other hand, Packers are my NFC favorite. Packers are my number one team in the NFC. Aaron Rodgers is slinging it out there this year. And he's slinging it to Robert Tanyan. Three touchdowns for the big guy. That's without Devontae Adams. That's without uh, Alan Lazard. And the Packers went out there and hung 30 on the Falcons very easily. The Packers also have a sneaky good defense too. So, like what I saw out of the Packers, uh, hated what I saw out of the Falcons. But all in all, I loved what I saw out of the NFL this past weekend. To round us out, undefeated teams left. The Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Green Bay Packers, the Buffalo Bills, the Seattle Seahawks are all 4-0. The Tennessee Titans, the Nashville Titans. Uh, I don't know why some teams have the ability to say their city. Some teams have the ability to say their state. But it's the Nashville Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers are rounding out at 3-0. Remember, they had their game postponed um, into later in the season. They had their bye weeks this week. So they are at 3-0. Um, so that leaves us with just six undefeated teams left this year. We'll run through just the conference standings real quick. Seahawks are atop the NFC West. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are atop the NFC South. Philadelphia Eagles are atop. I, I mean... The NFC East needs to be dismantled. Group them in with the Jags and the Dolphins and the Jets into that trash division that I came up with. 
NFC East goes to the Eagles right now. Gross. Uh, the Packers are atop the NFC North at 4-0. AFC South goes to the Tennessee Titans. The AFC East leading by the Buffalo Bills. AFC West, your Kansas City Chiefs. And finally, the AFC North, your... Technically, it's your Pittsburgh Steelers, but they've also played one last game. Uh, so the Steelers and the Ravens are, are sort of in the tie-up there. That about does it for week four of the NFL recap show. Uh, moving forward, I promise that barring Chiefs games on Monday night, we'll get these out earlier in the week. Looking forward to an amazing, a beautiful week five of the NFL. Remember... That was our 25% mark of the season. So enjoy these. Enjoy every single week as much as you can because we only get 16 of them. Enjoy it, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.